Hello, and welcome to the Alternate Timeline. Today's episode is super exciting because today I am introducing you to the first ever Flash Forward associate producer. As of this week, the number of people who work on Flash Forward has doubled from just me to me and Julia Linus Goodman. Um, And that is only possible thanks to your support. Like quite literally, I can pay Julia because you support the show. So thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, First, you're going to hear from Julia, a little conversation between the two of us. And then I'm going to talk about this week's episode uh, about the end of the universe. And then just a couple of other odds and ends. And um, yeah, that's it. Let's get into it. Okay. Here is Julia. I am super excited to introduce you to them. I know you know me pretty well, but um, I want you to get to know Julia. So here they are. All right, Julia, yay! I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> um, okay, I made a couple of very easy questions that will not surprise you. Um, maybe let's start with like, how did you find your way into journalism? Like, did you always want to be a reporter or like, how did you get here? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess I first started getting into journalism in college. Um, I was going to college um, at Columbia during the time when there's a lot of conversation happening around um, like sexual assault and um, sort of the way that that was handled by different colleges. Um, And I don't know, people may have heard of like the Mattress Girl story, um, Emma Silkowitz. So I was there when they were there. And um, that was basically, there was a lot of conversation happening between the sort of mainstream campus publication and this more sort of like, I don't know, it was basically just an online blog um, called Blog um, that I started working for where there were basically just a lot of issues, especially around campus protests that were not being really covered in the mainstream campus publication, um, especially um, like talk to protesters and really asking people like what are your concerns why are you out doing this um and so that's how i got started was like being sort of involved in some of these protest spaces and being like why isn't this getting covered in our campus publication and why aren't we getting to hear like why people are concerned about this um so that's where i started and then um from there i think a lot of my interest in protest continued like um really thinking about like what how people are trying to change things and why and what do they want things to look like. Um, That's where the future piece comes in for me because I just love thinking about ways that things could or should look different in the future, Um, hopefully better, but also ways that they could be worse, of course. Um, Yeah, that's kind of where, yeah, where my interests have continued. Yeah. And did you, do you remember when you realized that like audio and radio was like a fun way to explore those things? That's a good question also. Um, I guess for me, my interest in like audio storytelling really started before I ever thought about going into journalism. Um, I think for me, just the way that my family tells stories and shares information is very like, we have all of these just like stories that everyone tells and they get retold and told in different ways. Um, And I guess just like hearing stories was always a really big part of my life growing up. Um, And my parents also loved public radio and we had NPR on a lot of the time. Um, So as I started to move into journalism, I guess the thing for me that I always loved about audio journalism specifically is that 
it really gives you a chance to bring people's voices into a story. Um, because with print journalism, like you can tell a story that like you never talk to anyone, you never interview anyone, and that can still be a story. But in radio, it's really not like that. Like if you don't talk to anyone, you don't have a story. Um, so I really like that it, it forces you to really seek out those voices of the people who are like impacted by or working on an issue that you're reporting on. Um, so that it, I think it can help avoid some of those issues that can come up in print journalism where you don't actually hear from people who are impacted by something. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I talk to so many people in podcast radio who say like, yeah, growing up, we listened to NPR, like that that was like in on in the house. That was never on yeah. in my house ever. <laughs> I had, like never listened to NPR until I went to I mean, college. I've definitely heard that yeah. too. I guess for me also, like really when I was like, podcasts are saving my life right now is when I was just working a really like sort of rote job where like I really couldn't leave my desk. I just had to be sitting there for several hours at a time, but I could listen to stuff like that was okay. That was allowed. Um, and I started listening to podcasts then and it was just like a really great way of being able to kind of escape my mundane reality a little bit. It's funny, I hear from so many scientists who listen to podcasts while they're like pipetting, you know? Oh yeah, <laughs> I've definitely heard that too. <laughs> yeah, where they're like, oh, so much of science is actually like quite boring in the like doing of it, right? Where you right, the day-to-day. -day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many scientists will be like, I had to pipette all day, but I'm so glad I got to listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, one of my best friends um, is a scientist at Harvard right now. Um, she's in a grad program there, and she listens to podcasts all day while she's working with her specimens. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little less lonely when you're, like, just hanging out with your amoebas or whatever yeah. it is. You're <laughs> yeah. I used to work in uh, a pelagic invertebrates lab so like jellyfish and krill and things that don't have backbones Ooh. but that sort of like live in the open ocean is what that means I guess um and I had to just like identify and measure krill all day every day and it was like <laughs> incredibly I wish I had did not had not discovered podcasts at the time I wish I had because I feel like it would have been so much less brutal yeah <laughs> um you've also done a lot of work and sort of like have an interest in design and like architecture and spaces. How did you kind of get interested in that? That's a good question. I guess I think that my interest in those sorts of ideas started with being interested in just like human movement generally and like how people get where they're going. Um, again, I think a big part of it was when I had some of those first jobs where I had like an hour long commute and just like thinking about how that was impacting my life and my friends' lives. Um, and at the same time, uh, one of my best friends who I have this zine with about architecture and public space um, was working for like an architectural publisher. So I was sort of coming from more of like the journalism, like really trying to talk to people about like, what, what does your commute look like? How are you using public space? Um, and they were really coming at it from like more of this expert side of like, who's creating these spaces and why and how. Um, and I guess just seeing the difference between those two things is really what led me to be more interested in how, I guess just like how spaces can become better for more people. Um, I think especially like being queer and non-binary and like often not having a lot of spaces um, in the more abstract sense that feel like affirming and like good spaces for me to be in. Um, I really started to get interested in like how, you know, queer people, people of color, other people of marginalized identities can like have those 
actual physical spaces where they can create like a community center. Um, or I, I did the story recently about um, like a restaurant that serves free food to trans people of color. And it's also kind of become this like informal community center and like just like dating space, which is like, I mean, obviously not during the pandemic, but before all of that, um, just like how, I guess how physical spaces can really serve as like anchors for these types of community building, especially more like underground or marginalized communities. Two last questions. One is about podcasts and one is the sort of wild card. Um, what other podcasts are you listening to right now? Ooh, that's a great question. I, I listen to so many podcasts. Um, I've been listening a lot recently to You're Wrong About, um, which is, I guess, sort of, it's not really about futures. It's more about the past of like how different things were covered in journalism and then how we might want to do better in the future. Um, it's kind of interesting, I think, for people who are interested in like how, especially in this like era of fake news, like how how news can really earn people's trust and like do justice to the communities it's reporting on. Um, what else have I been listening to? Um, I just listened to um, the second season of this podcast, The Dream, um, which was about the wellness industry. Um, so interesting. I also loved that um, they incorporated a lot of like people's personal stories with um, different like medical issues um, that I think really was like something you don't often hear in science journalism necessarily and it was really cool to hear that being like people's stories of pregnancy and birth being incorporated into like stories about how like scientists handle all of those things um yeah i don't i'm trying to like think of some others oh i just listened to um dying for sex also Ooh, i don't know that one um which is like it's an i think it's a slightly older one but um it's about this woman who was diagnosed with cancer um, and then eventually like was told that her diagnosis was terminal and she and her best friend decided to make a podcast about her sort of like sexual adventures and just like what she decided to do with the last months of her life. Wow. Um, it was a really interesting and unique sort of podcast. I think one of my favorite things about it was just that um, they, so they initially recorded these episodes, um, these two women who are best friends, and then the woman who had cancer eventually passed away, um, and they didn't end up actually putting out the podcast until after that, so it was sort of like they, the production company they eventually went with, went back, and they sort of added in some additional, like, narration from um, the best friend who was, like, doing these interviews with her friend, and then also sort of would come in and be like, back then, here's what I was thinking. Now, here's what I'm thinking about this. Um, it was just really interesting how it was framed to sort of like give you that extra perspective. And I think it was really, it ended up being really different from like how you would have heard it if it was just those interviews with the two friends. Um, That's so, so interesting. Interesting like yeah. framing. Yeah, I'll definitely want to listen to that because I do sort of like I do feel that about, it's so interesting when you like have a story that's so intense and intimate like that, where you're like with this person who is, knows they're dying and like, that's right. so intense. Like in some ways I feel like sometimes when there are shows like that, I do want that like post perspective. Cause like when you're in the moment everything feels so different than when you can look back on it and you can sort of analyze like why right. you did what you did or how you were feeling. That's so interesting. Yeah, it definitely, it also was just, yeah, very intense. And I think having a little bit of like that sort of just different tone to break it up was really like a helpful way to move listeners through it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'll have to check that out. Um, okay, my wild card question is, do you have a favorite animal? 
Ooh, well, I don't really have like an interesting favorite animal, but I do love cats. Um, I'm actually planning to get a cat soon. Um, so that's really what's been like on my mind. Um, but I don't know in terms of like, I don't know, more sort of unique um, animals than that. I, I guess when you were talking about how you used to work with jellyfish, I was just thinking about how much I love jellyfish. Um, I just really love that they're, I guess one, they just really do their own thing. They don't need a lot to survive. Um, they're just kind of hanging out. And I also like that they, they haven't figured out. They've been around for so long and what they're doing is working. And I love that for them. Yeah. There's a, the most recent, the two most recent episodes of Ologies are both about jellyfish. One of them is about just jellyfish, Ooh. like the science. And the other one is about specifically jellyfish venom and like the stingy stuff that makes a jellyfish jellyfish. Oh, um, wow. So yeah. I will have to check, have to that check them out. out. They are both very interesting. Um, I do love jellies. They are very cool. The other interesting thing about them to me is they also sort of like resist collection in the like museum sense, right? It's really, really hard to mm. preserve a jellyfish because it's just like goo, you know, <laughs> like there's nothing yeah. like, <laughs> keeping it together. Um, and one of the things that's really, when I, back when I thought I would be a scientist, one of the things I thought I might work on is sort of like trying to figure out, because I worked in this pelagic invertebrates lab, which is just things that don't have backbones, right? And like, right. when you work in a, like a fish lab that you're, where you're preserving fish specimens, that's like relatively easy because they have bones and like they have a structure. Whereas we had these samples of jellyfish from, you know, a hundred years ago and it's just the blob at the bottom. Like there's, it's like, you can't tell what it is, right. like, there's no, you know, whatever. Um, and also often because jellies end up living pretty deep sometimes because um, their squishiness allows the pressure from deep sea to like not bother them. Most things, once you get right. below a certain depth are pretty squishy because they sort of need to be. Um, so when you pull them up, they like lose all of that. Basically the ocean is keeping them together and they lose all of that when you pull them up. And so you actually like don't get oh. to, you don't you can't tell what they were supposed to look like, right? Because they're the thing that keep that makes their body sort of like functional is no longer pressing on them. Um, and so right. I'm just like, I love that they also sort of like resist our desire to like put everything into a box and like put it on a wall, you know? Cause yeah, you can't do that's that. so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, jellies, man. Very cool. Um, well, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. This is very exciting. I'm so excited that you're on the team. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so excited to meet everyone over the airwaves as well. Yay. Okay, sweet. It's hard for me to overstate how excited I am that Julia is joining the team. Um, you know, I've talked about this before on the show that it's like very scary to bring someone in, but I feel really good um, about Julia. They're awesome. Um, they've already had such good ideas for upcoming episodes and things to do and things to try. So I'm super excited. So yay, I'm glad you got to meet them. Okay, now let's talk about this week's Flash Forward, which is the one about the end of the universe. It's the end of the world as we know it, which is obviously a reference to a specific song. Um, if you're in the book club, we are actually reading Katie's book this month, so we will be able to talk more about it um, in more detail there if you want to do that. Um, the book is genuinely very good. Um, you know, Normally, I here's a secret, like uh, or maybe a confession more than a secret. I often avoid physics books. I feel like so many physics books claim to be like accessible to the general public and for a general audience, and then I try to read them, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
Um, and uh, that is not the case with Katie's book. Katie's book is funny and it's easy to understand and it's just full of really cool stuff that is explained in a way that my brain was totally able to follow. So um, I definitely recommend it. If you enjoyed hearing Katie talk about the stuff that you heard from her on the episode, you should definitely get the book. There is so much of the book that we obviously didn't get to on the episode. Um, So definitely, you know, go check that book out if you um, are interested in that topic. Um, And uh, yeah, support Katie, um, who's just great overall. Um, Okay, the main thing I actually cut from this week's episode is stuff from the conversation that Jesse and I had about parties. So one of the things that we wound up talking talking about for a while was um, like the drug situation at this end of the year party and what that should be like. Um, You know, on the one hand, you don't really want people overdosing at your party. I mean, really ever, you really never want anyone overdosing at your party or having a bad trip. Um, On the other hand, sort of the idea of not allowing drugs at a party to celebrate the end of the universe sort of seems uh, naive and maybe silly. So we talked about Um, you know, setting up a tent with like guided experiences with experts who can help people get a sense for what a drug might be like that they might want to try that they never tried when they were, you know, in their pre-end of the universe life. Um, But you want it to kind of be like a chill and good experience and maybe a guided experience because yeah, like it would be so bad if your last memory or like your last big thing that happens to you before the end of the world is a bad trip. Um, We don't want that. That's not fun. Um, we also sort of talked about, um, how to keep a party on the rails. I mentioned this and we talked about it on the episode, but I did ask Jesse for any tips that she might have for, you know, if you want to throw like a really high energy party at your house or something, you know, how do you make sure that you are creating a space that is exciting and fun for people, but like doesn't get too out of hand, um, you know, even within, even parties that are not about the end of the universe, you do want to stay, you want them to stay within a certain like. I guess, zone of energy, right? Um, And Jesse had this really great tip for um, how to meter out drinks to help manage that. So here's Jesse. So, so, you know, the way that I kind of set the stage for success with, um, say, a standard house party is that um, I have always done this thing where I have pre-mixed drinks. So like, you know how like you go to a house party in your 20s and there's just like the stove is just filled with like bottles of vodka and bottles of Coke and like mixers. And it's just like this chaotic, sticky pile of booze and mixers and citrus wedges that have been smashed or whatever. So instead of doing that, like I buy these dispensers, I, I pick like three drinks with like, say a bourbon, a vodka, a tequila or something like that. And, you know, you just like mix these big canisters of like whiskey with iced tea or like a giant vodka cranberry thing. And the first round, so like for the first maybe 90 minutes of the party, all of the drinks are like one and a half strength where it's just like you, you liquor people up hard immediately. So everybody gets pretty buzzed right away. And then what I would do is for every like hour thereafter, I would mix the drinks at half strength and like keep cutting it in half and in half and in half. Um, so that you were just naturally tapering off people's alcohol consumptions. Um, and that would always work So, so, so well, because instead of the party, like kind of reaching this, um, unmanageable velocity, you start it out really hard and then you find every way that you can to like taper things off as it goes on without making people feel like they're being tapered off or cut off because they're still, 
you know, drinking throughout the night, but they're always drinking half as much as they were before, even if they don't think they are. Um, so doing things like that. And so, you know, how to keep this particular party from going off the rails, it would probably be like, you know, beforehand, we would maybe want to identify where things might go south, like at the hot dog eating contest or at the absurdist ice cream Sunday bar or something like that, you know, take a look at it, think about like how many different ways can people mess this situation up um, and put some safeguards in place and maybe even remove some elements from all of this and like kind of not really strike the party um, slowly throughout the night, but either, either add in like maybe more staffing as things go on, maybe even have counselors or like shaman type of people spiritual guides, if you will, um, show up maybe halfway through the party or something like that to just kind of like be in the mix, um, keeping conversations positive. Um, you know how like at some clubs and stuff, there's like plants in the audience that are just like really good at dancing and it like encourages other people to get on the dance floor. Or are you familiar with that I am. at all? A friend of mine is really good at dancing and people will sometimes ask her if she is a plant because she's the one who will go out onto the dance floor when there's no one there and just like go ham. And people always assume that she's one of those people, but she's not. And it's very funny to me. Yeah. So maybe like having plants that are not, you know, like dancing plants and otherwise plants, like, like mental health plants and <laughs> positive conversation plants and stuff like that where... Um, you know, people might not necessarily feel singled out, but there are always enough people surrounding um, surrounding them, kind of giving the right vibe for stuff. Um, and maybe that's even, you know, something that like certain guests could not really volunteer for, but like be made aware of and be encouraged to do. Um, because again, a party of this size and scale is just like, how do you staff it? How do you get people to do that? at the end of like, if they, they want to do their own end of the world thing. So like they might not necessarily want to work. So it might have to be like a group effort type of thing. Um, and maybe the wizard can help people with compliance a little bit as well. So yeah, um, I think that's actually a really great tip um, to sort of like help make sure that people are not overdoing it um, or not uh, sort of taking things into their own hands. We also talked about things like party favors. Um, you got on the episode, the tip about the playlist, which I thought was a really good tip um, in terms of, you know, having something that's fun and sort of has that moment of like, oh, right, that song. I totally forgot about it. Or like, oh, God, that song. Um, I thought that was good. So these are just some tips that you can use when we're allowed to have parties again. Okay, what else can I tell you? Um, just general updates. The show is chugging along. Um, I've been working a lot also on the advice show. Um, the new episode, there's a new episode of that that comes out on Tuesday, every other Tuesday, just like Flash Forward. The book, again, is chugging along. Um, we're getting there. We're getting the final layouts done, you know, design for the cover and the inside pages and all of that sort of ironed out, which is very exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, the big news is that I hired someone. I mean, like, what more do you want from me? Um, so I'm very excited about that. Okay. And then at the end, as always, a little secret. Um, I've been doing yoga. I do yoga pretty much every day. And um, I've been working my way up towards uh, being able to do a handstand, which is one of my goals for the year. And um, I'm at that stage now where like, 
I think if I were to commit a little bit more, I would probably be able to like get up and, you know, hold it for a couple seconds maybe. Um, but I'm afraid of doing that. And the way our house is, there's not um, a great like wall for me to use. Um, they often say like do it against a wall. I don't really like have a wall that doesn't have stuff on it or a piece of furniture or whatever or a window. Um, and so I, I recently asked my partner to to spot me, to be like, can you just catch me if I end up falling in one direction or another? Um, and, um, and he was overzealous with his spotting and sort of stepped in when I didn't need him to step in and I, uh, may have kicked him in the face. <laughs> so that was a short